0: Great job. All right, we're in Titus, the little letter of Titus. And trying to go through these little qualifications that Paul is giving to Titus when he is looking for leadership in these congregations on the, in the nation of Crete, And, I mean, it applies to any, but this is Paul's instruction about who to look for. And one thing is becoming very clear as he's instructed, and as he's done it with Timothy as well, is that is the proving ground for Leadership—it's—it's it's at least one of, one of one of the things that can be approving, if not a very large part of approving ground for leadership. And generally, you know, I, I, as a pastor, as you know, someone who has studied the Bible for a long time, and thought about these things, thought about my own journey into this and and, and into being a pastor and being an assistant and things like that. Generally, if you can find somebody that is a father, a good husband, knows the Bible, and has some desire to serve God in in a capacity that's an oversight capacity, you've probably found somebody who's good pastor material and that that said i think there's there's a lot of just maybe i say corporate mentality but there's there's just a lot of and business is necessary and all that but there's a lot of that i think corporate structure and Stuff that's kind of, I mean, it's necessary when you're dealing with, you know, an entity in relation to the government and things like that. But uh, as far as leadership in a congregation and spiritual leadership, I think there's oftentimes too much made of business leadership and not just not enough made of the practical aspects of the way God has already set up a proving ground. He's already set up a ground where somebody can you can kind of find out what type of person they are in a family setting. And so Titus chapter 1 verse verse 6 he, he, he's going to deal with being just a good dad. You know, you look for somebody that's a good dad. Somebody that knows the scripture and you know it and it reminds me when I read this in verse verse 6 he says if any be blameless the husband of one wife which we dealt with last week having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly so you know the children are all unruly <laughs> yeah and if the if the the ch- controlled or it's just, it, it's pretty clear, you know, whatever excuse I guess you want to tie to it, you can say, well, they're this or they're that, or they've got this or they've got that. If the home is not in order, the, whatever the, the reason is, you can just say, okay, well, I mean, that's, that's fine if that's your reason, but we can't give you a leadership position if this isn't already in order. So, you know, for whatever whatever you want to say, the reasons are that the this aren't they're, they're, they're not no respect for their parents, um, things like that, you know, and whatever again reason you want to attach to it, that's kind of the way that uh you would approach, I guess, a job situation. You know, somebody has these reasons why. They're not going to be able to do this. and They're not going to be able to do this, and and ultimately, it's just about the job. It's just about we got a job to do, and if you can't do it for whatever reason, you can't do it. You just can't do the job. This is this is a, a further instruction, further explanation of. Um, The home life is a proving ground and he's dealing with a good dad here. And there's several things in the Bible about this, about being a good dad and the responsibility of a dad. Um, I've noticed in a lot of settings, even the very sometimes old school settings where the wife is much more of a, a spiritual leader than the husband. I mean, even to the point of sometimes the wife is the one who's doing the Bible studies or whatever, and and it's kind of like okay, the this is <laughs> this is not exactly how it's supposed to go, but uh, the husband sort of just not in the picture spiritually, just. Of around or whatever, and uh, and I've in you read about statistics about churches, and generally they'll say, um, say things like that. This one of the statistics is, of course, there's a lot more women seems to be in church than men, they just seem to be more, I guess, into spiritual things than men, and so. That's not exactly the way it's supposed to be, but that's the way it is. But uh, anyway, Paul's dealing with men and and good dads, like a a father figure. So he says this, if any be blameless, verse 6, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot, nor unruly. And we'll just take that little phrase there, not having faithful children, not accused of riot, nor unruly. And deal with how this is this is laid out in the scripture because you'll have several you'll have specific instructions from Paul about being a parent. You'll have illustrations in the Old Testament about bad fathers and uh, and good fathers, both. But uh, let's pray and let's just just deal with some of the I don't know some of the Um, applications or some of the principles that's what I'm thinking of principles about this why this is why this is a real thing why this is true and as far as elders and bishops go in a church setting but let's pray father thank you for this time together pray that you would help us help us understand and uh, uh, take note of what we're doing here what we're reading the instructions we're getting and I pray that you would, you would give us that uh, explanation, that interpretation, and you know just the understanding that we need about what it is that you've written down here, and the instruction that you've given. And I pray you'd help us with these things. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So a lot of times, God holds. The dad responsible for things that go on in it i, I don't say it's all the time, but uh, um, a lot of times it is and I'll give you an example in the Old Testament there's a man named Eli in fact, you can look at this look in first Samuel let's just in first Samuel is it cutting out huh. We'll try this one. Maybe I'll talk faster. So this thing won't. This one doesn't last long. I know this one doesn't last long. And I put new batteries in it, and it still doesn't last long. So, all right. So, First Samuel chapter three, verse eleven. Quickly look at this. This is Eli, and this is what the Lord said about Eli. Remember, Samuel is a child when he is given essentially to the to the temple and to or the tabernacle and the service of the tabernacle under Eli's care and Eli has his own children though he's a priest he has his own children and it says this about about Eli this is the judgment on Eli it says in uh, verse 11 1 Samuel chapter 3 the Lord said to Samuel behold I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of every Samuel 3, Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle, and that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning the, his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. So that was his responsibility. He let things go on with his kids with his boys particularly within the the tabernacle setting and he didn't stop them and so now what's happened is the tabernacles become just the place of essentially uh, regret for people they don't want to be there they don't they don't like going because the the boys have they're extorting people they're taking stuff from people they're um being lewd I mean they're sleeping with women there and it's just a it's a mess and it's something that God lays at the feet of Eli and he says you, well you brought this on us you're the one that did this you didn't stop this when you should have stopped it and therefore he says I have sworn into the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever so there's not going to be anything you can do about this you can't you can't change what's happened. You have." essentially brought this in or allowed it to come in you didn't do anything about it and you're responsible and therefore because you're responsible I'm going to do away with your priesthood and there's nothing you can do about it you can't offer sacrifices there's nothing you can you can pay back the sin is it's just it's it's too much to overcome at this point you've kind of ruined the reputation of the tabernacle and God in the tabernacle with this the way you've You've mishandled and mismanaged this stuff. And so in the home, God, sometimes he holds dad responsible for what goes on, not all the time, but most of the time, and I'd say a lot of the time he does. Uh, There's instruction in the New Testament. You go from here to the New Testament, um, where Paul gives instruction to the fathers about provoking not your children to wrath, uh, bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord which we'll talk about in a minute but uh, uh, I think about guys in the Old Testament like like David who introduced sin into the really the nation but introduced very public sin to his family and you know a lot of the things that happened to David at, later in life were the result of that were the result of David and Bathsheba and all that mess that, he, that he, he, he brought into the family, Absalom never never re- restored any sort of hope in his dad at all. He, he in fact, was in opposition to his dad. And, and in some, some ways, you might look at Absalom when he wants to kill his dad and he wants to take over the throne. His mindset would be that he would be a better king than his dad because of what his dad's done. And then the fact that his dad didn't, deal with the the rape of Absalom's sister which again was David's daughter by another brother and it was just a mess and so David didn't do anything about that and so consequently Absalom was very irritated to say the least at his dad and um, a lot of those things that happened to David at the end of his life or towards the end there, when he goes to Jerusalem, they're, they're a result of things that the decisions and the sin that he brought into the family early on. And so that said, that says some, that's a couple of instances where you see these results and consequences carry out in the family over time. And uh, some of them are very public and very devastating consequences. You get to the New Testament, and Paul gives some instruction about fathers don't provoke your children to wrath bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and so in the home God generally generally holds it seemed it seems like in general holds dad responsible for the overall caretaking of you know whether whether good's happening or bad's happening in the home and so um, that, that's that's why he would say, look, if you got a man that that is a good dad, that is a good husband, and he knows the scriptures and he has some desire to serve in a capacity that's a an, an oversight capacity, well, this guy's a pretty good candidate to be be leadership in in the congregation. So, he, I mean, he may not have any desire to do it, so that's that's fine. But if he does. Then he's a pretty good candidate. If he can manage his home affairs well, then that's some pretty good proving ground. Another thing that's said about being a good just dad in general, um, teaching kids obedience. That's, that's something that is it's necessary to learn to obey. We, we all have to learn this at some point have to learn to obey and listen at some point I man i think you do um, i guess some people may never learn <laughs> i don't know but obedience is it's one of those things one of those valuable things in life that it has to be learned and it has to it it has to be learned by things that are distasteful like you know if the Bible says this about, about Jesus Christ. It says he learned obedience by things that he suffered. And if I'm doing something that I like doing and you told me to do it and I like doing it, that's, that can be a form of obedience, but real obedience is if I'm doing something that you told me to do that I don't want to do, but I do it. And that's something that has to be taught because that is that is the situation you're going to find yourself in for your adult life you're going to be told things that you don't want to do but it's necessary for your job it's necessary for whatever the, whatever the case is
1: and so obedience
0: is something to to learn it's something that parents in general have to teach their children dads need to teach um, i noticed and you probably noticed it too that bribing children is, is almost a way of pretending like you've taught them obedience. You know, you, you want to you give them candy if they do this. And sometimes I get it, you know, sometimes you, you get it. it it's, it's a convenient way to just handle a situation. But that can't be the only way you handle this. People have to learn obedience. They just have to learn what it feels like to obey. What does it feel like? To, uh, uh, to obey. How 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 am I going to feel when I'm told to do something that I don't necessarily want to do but I need to do? How does that feel? And you need to learn how it feels to obey. You need to learn how it feels to disobey, and or you will. You learn how it feels to disobey, like ignoring instructions, and um, it's it's uh, it's something that dads need to teach their children. That's part of ruling the house. That's part of oversight. That's part of caring for your children. That's part of uh, caring for those in your, in your watch there. And so teach your children what obedience, disobedience feels like. That's, that's something that needs to be done. Um, that's something obviously that Eli did not do. He did not teach them obedience to God at all. let a lot of things go that he shouldn't let go and uh, and this this, those were the consequences in their life there so teach your children what obedience disobedience feels like and i purposely say feels like because it is a feeling it is something that feels sometimes distasteful it feels like you you don't want to do it but you're supposed to do it need to do it and so if uh, uh, you need to understand those things Another thing about parenting and particularly fatherhood, teaching your children obedience, what that feels like, Uh, having responsibility and oversight for your home, that's that's part of this. Another thing is, when Paul Paul said it in in Ephesians to bring up your children, that's a model of behavior. That, That is to bring somebody along means you you walk with them and you and you walk with them along this way and you and you you don't send them that's that is something that is <laughs> we all and I get it as parents we all want the the date nights and we all want to get rid of the kids at some point <laughs> to just have a night off so you send your kids Somewhere, or you hire the babes to the grandparents' house is great. It's an amazing opportunity. (laughs) But I've noticed, and you, you notice it like with school, with sometimes children's ministries, where they're essentially just dropped off and nobody's bringing anybody up they're just sending their kids to church or something you're just passing them off to somebody else that's not that's not bringing your kids up that's that's abandoning responsibility to, to let somebody else teach them the bible now i get it if you're going to if you're going to drop them off that's what you got to do but don't let that be the thing that, that's how they're going to learn What they need to learn, they're going to learn what they need to learn from you. You need to teach them. So model the behavior. Bring them up. If I'm bringing someone up, I'm taking them where I'm going. It means I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask them about serving God. I'm going to show them how to do that. It means that I don't send my kids to church. I take them to church. Of course, now they're older and they make their own decisions to some degree. I don't, I don't, i say this carefully, but I don't pray for them to be godly. I, I do, but I don't pray for them to be godly. I show them what godliness is in life. That's bringing them up. It's, 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 it's taking them by the hand and walking with them through life. And giving them a a place where they can make decisions and make mistakes and learn, and giving them a safe uh, house where they can do those things under the loving watch care of parents who love them and want to take care of them. So bring them up, Paul says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And he specifically says that to fathers Fathers, do this. And the consequence or the alternative is, I just thought this was interesting, don't provoke them to wrath. So bring them up, don't provoke them to wrath. This is, I, I cannot tell you, I, I have not done the, the research recently, but I will say as of, I don't know how many, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, The number of incarcerated males in the prison system who did not have a father figure was in the three quarters top, you know, three quarters, 75% of them, 80% of them didn't have any sort of father figure. And it just, it shows that this is absent of that is there, there's, (laughs) it's like, it's Chaos. It's 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 struggle. It's, there's no peace there. Um, I mean, it's just a it's just the consequences of, of the fathers not doing their job. So model the behavior. Um, <clears throat> there's another thing about fatherhood and and parenting in general, but we're dealing with fatherhood because this is what Paul is talking about as a requirement for. elder or bishop something you need to look for in a man that correction is necessary and there's so many proverbs on this and i'll read a few to you it says he that spares the rod hates his son but he that loves him chasteneth be chasing him be times it's appropriate to times to, to correct them I'm not going to do a whole thing on this, but just to give you a few verses about it. Withhold not correction from the child. If thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. The idea being behind all this, it's the same idea that touching a hot stove would teach some consequence. There would, there would be some lesson here. And so you can say to, to somebody, don't touch that. Don't touch that don't touch that, and then, and if they listen, good, that's good, they've, they've learned something. If they don't listen and they choose to touch the hot stove, the pain is the lesson now. Now the pain is the lesson. Now you've learned because you wouldn't listen, now you've had to experience the actual suffering and the consequences of not, not listening to what you should listen to. And that, that that has to go on, there has to be consequences to, to actions and behavior and sin and things like that, just like there are in real life, there's consequences to these things. And so it, the earlier you start administering and teaching consequences to behavior, not only bad consequences, but good consequences, the the the, the quicker, And and this isn't like a silver bullet, you know, everybody's going to get it and things like that, but... If you don't do it, they're not going to learn. They have to learn from somebody else. If, you know, God forbid they learn from somebody who doesn't know what, what's going on, but that that may be what they have to do if they aren't going to learn from you. So your responsibility, correction is necessary. Teach them correction. Teach them consequences. And I'll say this as well. If if children don't learn to honor father and mother they don't learn that it really doesn't do any good to bring them to Sunday school and teach them about a God who administers consequences to, to sin if they're not learning consequences already because they'll they'll think the God you're talking about is just as much of a joke as their mom and dad are when mom and dad issue just these empty instructions to stop doing this, or don't do that, or don't do this. Or, and it doesn't really mean anything, and so there's no real consequence to that. And then you take them to Sunday school for 45 minutes, and then Sunday school teachers are supposed to teach them about a, a God who administers some sometimes consequences to things. Well, they haven't learned any consequences. So part of this, when he says, You'll beat him, he won't die, you'll save his soul from hell. That sounds like, whoa, that's a, that's a big step. That if correction teaches them that they're going to be saved from hell, that's a, that's a, how do you make that leap? Well, you make that leap because it's consequences. It's just consequences. It's just I'm learning that the consequences of these actions have this effect and the consequences of these actions have this effect, and I'm learning that I can't just do everything I want to do And i don't just get my way all the time i have to learn to work with other people i have to learn to work within the system and the structure i live in i have to learn these things and i have to learn to be obedient to people who have more experience more age more responsibility than i do and so this is these correction this is this is necessary the rod and reproof the bible says give wisdom a child left to himself brings his mother to shame that's true so correction but also love is necessary on the other side love is necessary and love is part of correction correction is part of love but love is necessary fathers are very important and instrumental in giving uh, their children confidence and uh, being confident in what they're doing and being confident people and so uh, Paul would say it this way in Thessalonians I think it's chapter 2 and I'm going to read it real quick here. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11 he says as you know we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children and he mentions three things exhortation comfort and charging and all those things that's that's encouragement that's being a safe place, a comfort. That's that's a, that's a that's a father's job. And you'll see the ones that that don't have sometimes the father figure there, there's no comfort in the life. They're just they're, they're all over the place. They're desperately searching for some stability, some some way to settle down. So Paul says it's the father that does these things, exhorts, comforts, charges, gives them some direction, gives them some uh, instruction there. So that's, a, that's part of love and part of um, fatherhood, but also part of love is acceptance. I mean, th- there is no, I don't think you can underestimate the need for people to feel accepted in some way by some people. I mean, I I don't think you can underestimate that. You see the lengths that people go through just to be accepted sometimes. Just the the, the crazy things people will do just to be accepted by a group of people that they find important. And uh, that says to me that acceptance and belonging that's part of a family structure that's part of a, a a a family structure that's that's healthy it's it's good and it's part of a, a father's responsibility to create that environment every responsibility to create sort of this uh, this environment of you know open communication acceptance and and I'm not saying accept sin, I'm just I'm saying people need to be accepted, they need to feel accepted, they, they're they going to try to belong to something, and this is, you just can't underestimate that, you can't underestimate that. So love, caring for children, that's a father's job, I mean it's also mom's job, but you understand what we're talking about fathers here, It's it's dad's job to care and to Give, some, give confidence to the children and to exhort, to encourage, to comfort, to provide some stability there. And, uh, and so this love is necessary. And then last, I'll say this, and there's no particular order of these things, but uh, scriptural training, you know, training in the Bible or just training in, um, I would say also, training in some critical thinking and trying to evaluate decisions and things like that, which the Bible helps you with tremendously. But scriptural training and loving God, that's part of dad's responsibility. And I always, I found it interesting that Jesus Christ was asked one time by a lawyer that what, what, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And the Lord says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two, hang the whole law, essentially. But the context of what he quoted is interesting because the context of that love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself comes in context with, it's in Deuteronomy 6, where the parents are told to teach the children to love God. They're the ones supposed to be teaching this. And so, I don't know, the scriptural training, it belongs first to the family. It belongs first to to dad and and the family. But uh, dad is what we're talking about. So you know, how do you love God with all, with all that, with all the heart, soul, strength, mind, all that God gave his words so that Israel could love him. He gave him his words. And it's not a Sunday school commandment. It's a commandment to a family, but you're, you're supposed to teach these, these words to your family. I get it under the old covenant. There's some different things going on, but, uh, the principle is there that the scriptural training and truth and, um, discernment and the critical thinking and way to way to understand the world around you through the eyes of of the light that God gives people that's something that needs to be passed on that dad needs to be responsible for and yeah mom too but again for sure dad because this is what what we're talking about here a man that wants to be an elder or a bishop somebody's going to be in leadership over a congregation so scriptural training in the family so there's and I noticed there's there's plenty of men that have made it to leadership positions in churches based on their their business understanding but not their ability to understand the scriptures nor their ability to properly have a household but they're good businessmen and so hey (laughs) we need you on the deacon board because you know we like we like the checks you write that's that stuff is that stuff goes on too much it just goes on too much but uh, this is when Paul passes this on to Titus. He says, "You know, essentially, you know, home is a great proving ground, and if you can find a guy that's a good dad, a guy that's going to be a good husband, a guy that has some knowledge of the Scriptures, and has some desire to be a be a, a you know take on some responsibility in a congregation." You probably found somebody that's a good candidate to be a bishop or an elder. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. It doesn't have to be of uh, the calling. Did the calling, did the light shining down from heaven? And did I get the feeling at the prayer meeting that, you know, this is this is my calling? No, it's just here's here's some qualifications. And if you find somebody that's like this, you probably would have found a good candidate to be leadership in a congregation. And uh, and so simple few few uh, instructions here or qualifications that Paul's giving to Titus. I think if anybody thought about them, they would understand how reasonable these things are. But uh, hope that's helpful. We'll wrap this up and try to figure out why these microphones don't work. So Yeah, so let's pray and we'll get out of here. Father, thank you for this time together. Pray that it's been helpful and pray that uh, you would help us Make these applications where they need to be made, and I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.